0: Thank you for downloading this podcast from Emmanuel Church Lurgan. At Emmanuel, our vision is to help rewrite the story of Craigavon, Ireland, and the nations with the good news of the Kingdom of God. We hope you enjoy listening to this message. This is a a very powerful day, Easter. Sunday. It's an amazing day, this day. And I I, I love Holy Week and Easter and all of that. Last week we had a great time. The Holy Week services were in the Anglican and Shankill Parish Church where we hold them um, each year, United Churches Together, which is Lurgan Churches Together, I suppose we call it. Um, And I have had the privilege now for about 15 years actually of chairing the minister's fraternal in town, and some ministers have come and gone. And um, but it's been an amazing journey, and so the three nights in the in Shankill Parish, then we had a, a, a lunchtime service that I spoke at in the Methodist and on Friday, and then there was a dawn service at the park this morning at the Park Lake with the Presbyterians. I was at that, so I'm well I've been at the anglicans i've been at the Methodists, and i've been at the presbyterians so there you go i'm, I'm well covered and well covered but great to have friends you know and just uh, uh see the power of unity throughout our towns really good and i think it says something to to the people of the town as well and um uh, and so that's why i think it'd be really good for us to to challenge our hearts for people to come tonight i had the joy of uh, uh, watching the, the video for tonight, you know, to prelude my heart around it for how to finish it and stuff like that. And I must admit, I just wept my way through it as I watched it a couple of times. So it's just a very, very powerful um, story tonight, the four stories all combined. But this is the day that that we commemorate that Jesus conquered sin, death, and hell. This is the day that he ripped the bars of death asunder and rose from the dead and rose to prove that he had settled everything. And so what I want to do, you know, just following on our normal slides and our following Jesus in all of life, because the whole resurrection story does something very powerful for us. And I want to read a passage. I'm going to put it on the screen from Luke chapter 4. It's in the NIV. And if you want to um, Read it and follow it in your own Bible and make any markings in your own Bible. Please do that. Um, Luke chapter 4, verse 16. He, Jesus, went to Nazareth where he had been brought up. And on the Sabbath day, he went into the synagogue as was his custom. I've spoken this little term before. If you're a regular here, you will know this. As was his custom. This was in his dairy in pain. All right? He, it was his custom to go to church. He didn't opt out. It wasn't pencil. It wasn't something that he could put something else in. This is something that he did regularly, all right? And he stood up to read, and a scroll of the prophet Isaiah was handed to him. That's important to notice that little piece, all right? He didn't turn up with his Bible and say, I want you all to turn. This passage has been on my heart. (laughs) That's not the way this worked. In those days, it was a scroll. It was a massive thing. It was prearranged for Jesus to read it. It wasn't Jesus' idea to read from this passage. It was pre-organized. Of course, we can see the divine hand in this. But he's handed this scroll, which was pre-organized for him to read. All right? And the scroll, the prophet uh, of Isaiah, was handed to him. Unrolling, he found the place where it is written... The spirit of the Lord is on me because he has anointed me to proclaim the good news to the poor. And then he goes on to say, He has sent me to proclaim freedom for the prisoners and recovery of sight for the blind. Set the oppressed free to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. Then he rolled up the scroll. Um, the authorized version puts it like this. He closed the book. <laughs> so he rolled up the scroll and And he handed it back to the attendant and he sat down. And the eyes of everyone in the synagogue were fastened on him. So they're all looking at this young guy, 30 year old guy. Um, Most of them know who he is, as we'll see in a moment or two. And all eyes are on him as he's read this with such passion. He's read this like he means it. He's read this like it's about someone he knows. He's read this that is captured. You know, when someone reads something and it just captures your, your, your everybody's focused on him at this moment in time. And this is what he says. He says, um, today, this scripture is fulfilled in your hearing. <laughs> and everybody's looking at him. And what he's actually saying is, what I just read to you is about me. I just read to you about me. This scripture that Isaiah Coded in what we know as Isaiah sixty one, it wouldn't have been in chapters then, but he said, "This is about me." And then it says, "All spoke well of him; were amazed at his gracious words that came from his lips." And then somebody said, "Is this, an, is, is this not Joseph's son? Is this not? Did they not make a wardrobe for me last week? Did they not, Were they not the ones that built? Help put the little extension onto our bathroom." Few weeks ago, this this is what's going on. You can see all the minds going. You can see what's happening in this. But this is what he's saying. He's saying he's saying he he has come to set prisoners free, recovery of sight to the blind, to set the oppressed free. Now, if he came to release, sin, that means something was bound. <laughs> all right, and we will never appreciate freedom until we consider the magnitude and reality of. Bondage. And I say that again because that's really important. We will never appreciate freedom until we fully understand the magnitude and reality of bondage. All right. And he didn't come to set free people free. He came to set bound people free. All right. And the the enemy's greatest strategy is to make bound people think they're free. <laughs> That's what the enemy does. He, he, he. His greatest strategy is to make bound people think they're free people, so they never know they need a savior. That's why Paul wrote to the church at Corinth in two Corinthians four four, I think it is, and he said, "The God of this world, talking about Satan, has blinded the minds of those who believe not, lest the light of the glorious gospel should shine in, and they might." Be saved. So he's saying there's something has blinded their minds. So his greatest strategy is to make bound people think they're free. So we have to have a conversation about freedom because resurrection means freedom. If there's one word that you could write over the resurrection, it's this word that we're going to talk about this morning. Freedom. Resurrection, the resurrection of Jesus Christ means freedom to us who follow him. And so, so this morning. What I want to talk about is I want to talk about keys. All right? And we're going to talk a little bit about keys. But what I want to talk more about than keys is about chains. Now, because oftentimes we preach about the keys. That God holds the keys to unlock you into your freedom. But seldom do we actually really identify what those chains are. And I, I'm going to talk to you about that this morning, because I think this is really important that we grasp hold of this, because before we talk about the keys, we need to acknowledge the, the chains, all right? Now, there are some chains in our life that are glaring obvious. They, 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 they're vivid, like the person who is an alcoholic. We can Their chains are, are, are glaring obvious. We see them daughter about. We see them lose control. We see the, and we think, oh God, love them. They're such they are they are glaringly obvious. Others aren't just as obvious. Some of our chains isn't aren't just as 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 obvious as others. All right. And so, Resurrection Sunday is about freedom. And so, we need to understand how we can break these chains and how we can appropriate the keys of the kingdom that we're going to talk about this morning. I'm a Formula One fan and. And this year, in July, I'm going to Silverstone, and the, the staff and management team and elders bought me a, a trip to Silverstone, so it's been on my bucket list for a long time. I've never been to one live. I've followed it for years and years, and so it's a big tick in my calendar um, in July, going over to meet my son who lives over there, and we're going to Silverstone together and um, if you're like me, um, I, I love, that's the sport I love. I love it and I love the Moto GPs, and that's the sort of sport I like to watch. And, um, and sometimes what I do is I record them and the really good ones I'll watch again. You maybe have done this with a football match, maybe um, like a, a, a cup final or something that you think, wow, oh, I really like this. And so you, 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 you record it and then you, <clears throat> obviously you rewind it and you watch it again. Well, that's what we're doing today with Easter. That's what happens every Easter Sunday. Every Easter Sunday, we, re- we rewind the tape and we watch the story again. We know now when you when you when I watch that race again, I know who won it. I know what the end's going to be. But I, I just enjoy watching it again. It's like a, those timeless movies that you have, like like um, Indiana Jones, which are my favorites, and those. They just watch them over and over again and, and you know the end and you know the, the cliches, and you're waiting for whenever he steps off into that. You're watching all those moments, you know them all, but still with all they're timeless. That this, this this is this is what Easter's all about. We're re-watching a story that we know the end to and it's but it, it never gets old it's just beautiful and there's something about this this wasn't an easy match this this match that Jesus fought wasn't an easy match there was a, a difficult opponent called Satan who was out to who who originally when you looked at the game you could think man it could have went either way but Jesus turns up on the scene early he turns up scoring some points he turns up healing people who were blind he he heals the, the side of blind bartimaeus he he, he, he actually, he heals some lepers. He, he's scoring goals already, you see. And then one day he goes into a little back room where there's a girl lying dead. And he lays his hand on this little girl and he raises her from the dead and she gets up and eats a pizza. Pretty cool. Yeah, i added that wee bit. She did eat something. The Bible tells us that. Could have been a pizza. But, but when Jesus cried, it is finished, it's really important. The devil thought he had him. I, I imagine they were was, there was starting to celebrate. They were starting to pop the bottles in hell. They were starting to celebrate that they'd killed the, this, the, the, the Lord of glory that destroyed them. But, but Paul, when he writes to the church at Corinth, this is what Paul says. Paul says, if the princes of this world, if, if Satan and his dark hordes had have known what Calvary was going to accomplish, they would not have crucified the Lord of glory. I put it this way. I think they would have leveled every tree in Palestine. They wouldn't have found a tree to hang them on because um, they they, they just weren't sure of what would ever happen. Now, imagine you were on a team. Robbie's a footballer. And I wondered whenever that just finished where Robbie caught the ball in his foot, I wondered, did did you drop it, Robbie, or did you hold it? Did you keep it? (laughs) Um, I I, I wonder sometimes whenever... uh, I wonder that whenever, uh, if, if you were playing a match and during half time your manager come in and said, to "You guys, it is finished," at half time, you would think, "Well, that's pretty stupid." There's another half to play. How can you say it's finished? You see, when Jesus cried, "It is finished," he didn't cry, "It is over." He didn't cry, "It is over." He just cried, "It is." finished. He had accomplished something. He had, he had bought back the right to rule and reign. Now, what happened in, I was at a funeral yesterday, and Brian Martin, who's a minister out at Donna Cloney, said it wasn't the apple, wasn't the problem, it was the power in the ground. That was a great little pun, all right? So, it wasn't the apple was the problem, it was the power in the ground. And so, Adam and Eve ate of the fruit of the tree, we know this story, and sin enters the world. And what happened was, because God had given man the right to rule and reign, He had given man the keys of the kingdom. He had given him dominion. It's a big word. You find it in Psalm 8 as well. So He had given man the right to rule and reign. But man, the devil came in and stole it. And so the devil now holds the keys of the kingdom. And for 4,000 years, he would hold on to these. This is why whenever, um, whenever Jesus... Um, died on the cross, he took back the keys of death and hell, the Bible tells us. He took them back. So he now has the right to rule and reign. The Bible tells us that he triumphed over the devil. He made a show of him openly, and he took back. That's why whenever... Before, before Calvary, when, when the devil took Jesus up to the high mountain in the temptation and showed him all the kingdoms of the earth, and he says to Jesus, he says to the Son of God, I'll give you all of these if you bow down and worship me now. I'll shortcut the whole thing, and I'll give you these keys. I'll give you, because he had them. He had stole them. But when Jesus died on the cross, he, he because He was the sinless Savior, He took back the keys of death and hell. Now, whenever Jesus said, it is finished, it was the seven sayings of the cross. It wasn't the seventh saying, it was the sixth saying. It was the sixth thing He said, it is finished. There was another saying came after that, and the saying after that was was into thy hands I commend my spirit. Now, if you were in this if you in this room this morning, could figure that out and say, God, into your hands I commend everything that's going on in my life. Because of the finished work of Calvary, because that you now hold the keys, I want to commend into your hands everything that's going on in my life right now. Something very powerful could happen with that. You see, it, it, th- this is the powerful thing because... He, he had finished what God had sent him to do, but when he rose from the dead, he, he, he made a fool of the devil. He rose on that Easter Sunday morning and he declared April fool to the enemy and to the devil, and he's alive ever since. That's our God. That's Jesus Christ, our King today. Now, resurrection makes freedom possible. And because freedom is possible, he, he now holds the keys... And for us to appropriate these keys, some things have to happen. Now, let me show you a couple of verses just to prove this. Jesus said to us, all right, I will give you the keys of the kingdom. Whatever you bind on earth will be bound in heaven. Whatever you loose on earth will be loosed in heaven. How could he say that? Well, he could say that because Revelation tells us, I am the living one talking about himself. I was dead and now look, he said, I am alive forever and ever and I hold the keys. I am the holder. I hold these keys. So he's the one. He can give them to whoever he wants. So he's saying, I will give them to you in this kingdom. I will give them as as people who are heirs of God and joint heirs with him, with Jesus Christ. We have a right to these keys. Jesus says, I have come to set you free and I have the keys to do so. But for these keys to be appropriated and for freedom to be appropriated, three things need to happen. The first thing I call them three laws. Now, last week, I, or last week I was here. I talked to you about the law of first mention. So, there's a law of first mention in the Bible, and what it simply means is the first time you read about something, usually is the way it will appear the next time you read about it. So, when you Genesis one one in the beginning, God created. You can imagine every time you hear the word, the name God mentioned, He's going to be doing something. <laughs> he's up to something. Holy Spirit moving upon the face of the deep, about to bring. Uh, uh, cosmos out of, cre- out of chaos. So every time you read about the Holy Spirit, he's going he's gonna to come in some shape of power or form, all right? So the law of first mention is really important. The law of declaration is really important. Then the 1st of January, 1883, Abraham Lincoln wrote the Declaration of Emancipation, which was the release of slavery in the United States of America. And he declared that on the 1st of January, 1883. Now, a lot of black people today celebrate the 19th of June. And the reason they celebrate the 19th of June instead of the 1st of January is that it was the 19th of June, 1885, that news of the declaration reached Texas, where all the black slaves were. So for two years, almost two and a half years, they were free, but they just never knew it. The declaration had been written and signed and declared from the President of the United States on the 1st of January, 83, but it was the 19th of June, 85, that they, they, they found out they were free. For two and a half years, they were carrying about their chains and didn't know. Now, they'll celebrate the fact that they're now free, but they could have been free two and a half years earlier. That's really interesting. The second, um, the the law of declaration. So you need to declare. I'm asking you today, and we cleared a bit of space at the front. We did this in the first service because what I'm asking um, is for you to respond today. Because I think you need to declare what your chains are. I think you need to declare what your chains are. For some of you it might be anger. For some of you, it might be fear. I had a lady in the first service who told me that she suffered from the bondage to fear for 30, 40 years. And she felt God released her of the bondage of fear this morning. So you need to declare what it is, first and foremost. Secondly, there's the law of first move. Now, the law of first mention. Here's the law of first move. Now I'm going to suggest to you that you've one job to do. In in redeeming, in receiving the redeeming grace and love and freedom of God and the Holy Ghost, you have one job to do. This this is free, but you've one job to do. All right? Now, it's really important you understand this because um, listen to these statements. These are all out of the Bible. Give and you will receive. Ask, and it will be given unto you. Draw near to God, and He will draw near to you. Do you notice the order? (laughs) All of us are sitting waiting on this sort of, it's a bit like speaking in tongues. You know, some people say, well, the Holy Spirit has never really made me speak in tongues. Well, the Holy Spirit won't make you speak in tongues. You speak in tongues. Not the Holy Spirit speaks in tongues. It's you. And if you don't activate it and you don't step into it, you'll never do it. So, everybody's waiting on this thing to land on them. It doesn't land on you. Not that the Holy Spirit takes your tongue and starts to wobble about in your face and you don't know really what to to do with it. That's not how it works. It's you activating a gift. It's you using a gift that somebody has given you. That's That's what it is. And so, there's something about... There's something about the law of first move. When we move into the presence of God, something very powerful begins to happen in the economy of God. That, so so my, my question to you this, to, today is this. If you had one job to do, and your one job was to name your chain, what would it be? What would the chain be? What would this chain be? What would the, what would the lock that needs to be opened with these keys be? What would that be? Now here's here's some funny ones. Here's some one job failures you'd call them. All right, I love this one. If you've got high blood pressure, this is really good. Take one tablet by mouth into your right eye. I'm not dead sure how you would do that, but um, but if this guy just one job to do, one job. All right. What about this one? <laughs> this is really confusing. All right. If you've got something to do, you're in trouble. All right. Where do I go? One job. He had one job to do. And what about this guy? Just one job. Just one job to do. I love this one. He just gave him one job to do. And, and he's, he's opening nine days a week. Figure that one out. I love this one. I knew Warwick would love this one. He's just one job to do. Imagine you let that guy go at the top of that ramp, he's going to be home before you, that's for sure. He is definitely going to be home before you. Just one job. Just one job to do. And what about this one? Just one job. <laughs> Great value spoons. Eh? Just one. Folks, all of us are just, God just give us one job to do. And you know what that one job was? That one job, we, we read about it in Revelation three twenty. Where Jesus says, Behold, I stand at the door and knock. Our only job was to open the door. That's our only job. He just give us one job today. But yet we don't do it. We we wait we, we 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 do we just block God out. Now I'm talking to the believers today as well. We we live our own lives, we make our own decisions, we block God out of our lives. We start a relationship with Joe, and we say, "Oh, Joe's such the love of my life. I love him. I never think of praying about that. That's just that's just a practical thing." And then three months later, Joe's a nutcase, and you, and and, and 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 God, God saying, "I knew Joe was a nutcase. But if you'd asked me, I could have told you Joe was a nutcase." kiss and you, you well, well, there you go. You didn't ask me, and and and. And I did tell you anyway, but it was outside the door, and you wouldn't let me in, so you wouldn't have heard me. And this is the way we live our lives. We live our lives with this sort of remit that God is outside, and Jesus is saying, I want to come in, but you're still sitting on your own throne. You know, if your home's like our home, our home, everybody's always welcome to our home, but you like to know if they're coming, don't you? Like Lorraine will say to me sometimes, if you'd have told me they were coming, we could have cleaned up. You know, and I say, "All well, right, it's clean, it's clean." And, and whenever we were starting the church in the house, it was kind of funny because the kids were all right and small. And on a Saturday evening, we say, "Right, guys, it's clean up time." And said, somebody coming, well, there is somebody coming, but it's still, a good idea to lift your socks off the floor. You know, even whether you know, like, well, okay. <laughs> but you know what it's like. If we, we, you know why? You know why we like to be prepared? Is we don't like people to see our mess. We don't like people to see our mess. <laughs> we we don't like people to see what's going on in our home in a normal day. Do you know what I think? Sometimes we carry that into the spiritual realm, and I hear this all the time. I hear, well, you know what? If I, I, I'm just waiting. I, I'd love to come to church, but I'm just waiting to get this sorted. You know, if this issue sorted, then I'll come. And if this here sorted, if I, if, I, if I get this thing sorted out in my life, then it would then it would definitely walk with God. Newsflash. Newsflash. You cannot sort out your own mess. Because if you could, you'd have had it sorted out by now. You're like me. You need God. And you need to invite God into your mess. God specializes in mess. Mess. God demonstrated his love toward us in that while we were still in a mess, Christ died for us. Not when we got our act together, not when we cleaned up our chains, but while we were still bound in our sin, Christ died for us. Brings us to our last point. You've got to declare your chains. You've got to make the first move. And there's a law of invitation. Now, let me tell you about the law of invitation. In John 5, there's a story of a guy who was sitting by a pool. And this pool, there was a rumor that this pool had healing virtue, healing power. This poor chap who was lame actually had been lying beside the pool for 38 years. And there was a sort of an urban legend that an angel would come and trouble the waters once a year. And if you were first one into the waters, you could heal. And Jesus happens to be walking by this pool one day. John five will tell you the story, and um, he sees this guy who has been lying beside this pool for thirty eight years, and he asks him a question. And this is what he asks him: "I find this astounding." He said, "Would you like to be healed?" <laughs> I sort of think, "What, Jesus? What sort of a question is that?" That's like if you, if I was in, in, in. The hospital and somebody come to see me and said, Phil, would you like to get healed? I'd say, would you like a dig in the nose? No, I wouldn't say that. I wouldn't say that. But uh, pray for me, please. Pray for me. But uh, it's sort of a silly question, isn't it? Would you like to be healed? And, and Because here, here's the thing. Here's the thing. Here's why I think Jesus asked it. It's because Jesus knows that some of us have got comfortable with our chains. Some of us are comfortable. Some of us have even made nice wee bangles out of them. Some of us gold gold cover them and make them. We just live this way because we've just learned to live with them. And Jesus knew that this man needed to declare his chains. He needed to make the first move. And he needed to invite Jesus into his mess. And sometimes we just wear these things and, and we forgot just how heavy they really are. Now here's the thing. Here's the thing: while Jesus' question astounds me, the man's response actually astounds me even more. Here's what the man says: the man says, "Oh, I'd love to be healed, but, but every time I every time I go to get into the water, somebody else gets in in front of me. I would love to get free of these chains, but I." I but something just keeps happening. I'd love to get free of pornography, but just to keep jumping up in my email. I would love to get rid of the addiction, but, but stress happens, and stressful things happen with my kids, and my grandkids, and my, my spouse, and it just, I, I just fall to it. The man just making excuses. He's just, I'd love to get healed, but everybody else just seems to get in the way. Some of us are in here today and we say we'd love rid of these, but every time we go to get rid of them, just something seems to get in the way. Well, here, I've got good news for you, right? And the good news is this. The good news is they have just one job to do. I've lost my notes, so um, but I'll find them somewhere. But anyway, we have just got one job to do, and that one job is is just to ask Jesus into your life. Do you ever notice that when you ask Somebody asks you how you're doing, they keep walking. <laughs> that ever happened to you? That they ask you how you're doing, but they keep walking because they're not really interested in the response. And we all lie a little bit and we say, oh, we're fine. And none of us are really fine, sure we're not. All of us have got issues. I'm doing this job long enough to, know everybody's got issues. I learned this lesson 2003. We'd only moved into this building a couple of months, and I was... I used to hug everybody at the door, I don't do that anymore, so don't worry, because I know some of the non-huggers, some of the non-huggers were slipping out this door and out the side, <laughs> true, that's true, and I thought, ah, oh, this isn't right, that we're, we're actually putting people, it was like a 2 accent. so anyway, so I don't hug you at the door anymore, I know I'm a huggy, but... Um, uh, I used to hug people at the door, and some of them people used to line up for hugs. I think they're getting more hugs here than they are at home. But anyway, uh, so better not go there. But anyway, this girl was going out at the door, and I said to her, How you doing? And she said, Well, Phil, there's no point in me telling you because you wouldn't have the time to listen. You're not interested anyway. And she walked on out. And I was gobsmacked I was so, I was actually astounded at her response. And, uh, and it made me think that so often we just ask the question and we're not actually open for the answer. We're not open to hear what's really going on in, in our lives. And that's what I love about this church. That's what I love about what Nicola does with the compassion work because I, I, it's just touching people where they're broken. And so here's the thing. Johnny's going to come. We're going to finish with a song, um, Our Living Hope, because it's about chains this morning. But can I say this about invitation? Because it's not what you think. If you want Jesus to exercise his keys this morning that he brought back at his resurrection, you need to invite him into your chains. I'll say that again. If you want Jesus, right, to exercise his keys this morning that he brought back at his resurrection, you need to invite him into your chains. That's the way I see Scripture. Ask, and it shall be given unto you. Draw near to me, and I will draw near unto you. Seek, and you shall find. Ask, seek, knock. It's all about response. It's all about response. And some of you are sitting there thinking, well, if God wants to do this in me, he'll do it. No, he won't. No, he won't. Anything ever I got in kingdom stuff, I got it through response. And so what I'm saying to you this morning, there is something about this. When you invite him in, he won't barge in. If it's salvation, you need to invite him in. He stands at the door and he knocks. No handle on the outside. He doesn't barge in. Your job. You've got one job. You've got one job. You've got one job. Don't make it a failure like we've seen this morning. You've got one job and your one job is to open the door and let him in. One job. If you're not saved this morning, one job. You've just got one job to do. Open the door of your heart. If you're addicted this morning, you've just got one job to do. One job. You've just got to name it and say, I'm giving you my chain today. I am inviting you into my darkness. And what we see reading from Luke 4 this morning, quoting Isaiah 61, is that He breaks every chain. He uses the keys and He breaks every chain. And you can't You can't live under bondage, and you can walk out of this room free of every bondage and every chain of oppression today. If it's discouragement, if it's depression, if it's anxiety, if it's fear, if you're just living with chains, if it's your desires, if your thought life, listen to me. If you're fighting with God, listen to me. I've been there so many times. I fought with this God, and can I tell you, He's too big for you you will never win this God. You just need to stop. You need to stop fighting him. You don't fight this God, you follow this God. You don't run away from this God, you run to this God. And, and, and so what we're doing this morning, for, for years we've been waiting for God to draw us into the light. God said, well, why don't you invite me into your darkness? And as we invite him into our darkness, he takes us into his light. That's the way these keys work. That's the way these keys work. So if you're coming just for a, excuse me for using the pun for a sexy sermon, that's not what I'm giving you this morning. I don't want to tickle your ears. I don't want you going home thinking, oh, isn't that great? I want you to go home knowing you've exercised the keys of the kingdom and that the locks are off and the chains are broken and your bondages are free. And you've got one job to do. Name your chain. Invite God into it this morning by the Holy Spirit. Allow Him to appropriate the keys. And walk in liberty and freedom out that door. Never to be bound again. That's the power of the resurrection of Christ. Pretty cool, isn't it? The power of the resurrection of Christ. So what we're going to do, we're going to sing... I've asked Johnny to sing this song, My Living Hope, and uh, it talks about breaking chains and I'd love us to sing it as a, 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 a sort of a prayer. And what I'd love you to do, we cleared a bit of space at the front. We did this first service as well. I'd love you just to respond by coming up and filling the front today as a response, just to say, my chains are gone. I'm breaking every chain of bondage. I'm breaking every chain in my thought life, and my Whatever's going on in my life, whatever fear, whatever it might be, I'm breaking it this morning in the name of Jesus. And I'm responding. I'm stepping up this morning as a way of saying, God, would you come into my darkness and bring me into your marvelous light? Would you be willing to do that with me? I'm going to stand with you. because. And then as we come up, we'll sing this once. Then I'm going to pray a prayer of deliverance, setting you free of bondage this morning. And then we're going to go home and get our Easter lunch. All right? Let's do that. Let's stand and let's start to make our way up to the front if we can and then we're going to pray together. We hope you enjoyed listening to this podcast. For more information about our church and all that we do, please visit our website at emmanuel-church.co.uk